lot for stopping by. Let's go right to Israel, to Tel Aviv. That's where uh, Julio Rosas says he is an independent journalist. You can find his stuff at juliorosas.substack.com. Julio, nice to make your acquaintance. How are you? I'm doing good, Joe. Thanks for having me. Do you, in, in general, feel safe where you're sitting in Tel Aviv, or do the sirens go off at all hours of the night? You don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, well, it's funny you ask that because about 30 minutes ago, sirens from ro- because of rockets that were fired by Hamas were 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 blared uh, here in Tel Aviv, and probably about an hour before that, there was also another barrage of rockets that were fired at Tel Aviv. Um, so it it really just depends, um, just because. I mean, this this is a fact of life for for people here and, and in Israel. Um, I mean, with everything that's going on, yeah, Tel Aviv is about 45 minutes, 50 minutes away from Gaza, but uh, you know, it's still very much in the crosshairs. And of course, that doesn't even begin to address the cities in the north uh, who are threatened by Hezbollah. So, I mean, it's not happening every single minute, but it is something that that I, I've had gotten used to um, being here. You know, I was driving on the highway. Uh, earlier today, and I saw people pulling off to the side of the road, and I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. But then I turned off my music that I was playing kind of loudly, and that's when I heard the sirens. <laughs> and wow. so, you know, they were they were the smart ones, and I, you know, me being being the being the new person, um, <laughs> you know, that's something I had to you know start paying attention to. Really, it's Julio Rosas. He's an independent journalist. He's in Tel Aviv, Israel, right now. Get his Substack, HulioRosas.substack.com. So, what is the SOP? What's the standard operating practice when when a siren goes off? What do you do? Well, uh, if you're inside a building, you go to the shelter that that they should have, or there's a shelter that's nearby, or if there is none, you go to you know furthest within the building as you possibly can away from windows. Um, if you're out near Sterot, which is a town that's very close to the Gaza Strip, there are shelters all over the place, um, and really you just got to hunker down and kind of hope that uh, you know the the Iron Dome takes care of things, but. Yeah, as great as it is, as great as that that technology is, um, it doesn't get every single rocket that that's fired at it uh, by Hamas. So, I mean, it's that that's why I, you know, I'm not wearing it right now, but that's why I have my ballistic helmet, I have my my flak jacket, and everything, um, just because, you know, like I said before, it, most of the time you'll get a warning, but if you're especially in southern Israel. Um, you might not have enough time to react just because the rockets only have to go uh, a shorter distance than compared to here. From Tel Aviv, Israel, it's uh, Julio Rosas. Uh, Julio, have you been there before when it's not wartime? No, this is my first time. Yeah, since I was wondering how normal it is to get rocket sirens just any given day, not when Hamas is attacking or Israel is responding. I'm guessing talking to people in Israel, you probably got a handle on that. I'm, I'm guessing that it happens more often than we would think. Yeah, and I would say here in Tel Aviv, things have kind of gotten back to normal. Um, I would say things close a little bit earlier than than they normally would, just because, again, um, especially at night, that's when Hamas likes to fire off the rockets um, at at this city. Um, But, I mean, you know, as new as this environment this is for me, this is an everyday fact of life for for Israelis. Like I said before, I mean, some of the locals were telling me that there's kind of like a kid's song. Uh, you know, like a kid's, you know, rhyme to remind them that you have seven seconds. Uh, as soon as you hear sirens, you have seven seconds to, to wow. reach a shelter. And and that's, that's I mean, that's been that way for, for a while. But obviously, it's happening now in the context of this horrific, you know, attack on multiple fronts um, in, in southern Israel and so many Israelis. So um, 
I think that's why they're taking things a little bit more seriously. Um, although it, it is kind of funny to see, you know, you have see some people who automatically, you know, throw on the road, they, they get out of their cars and run to a shelter. And then you kind of have like the dads who, you know, instead of going into the basement when there's a tornado, you kind of have these other guys that are like looking up at the sky trying to see where, you right. know, trying to get a glimpse of what's happening. And of course, I'm admittedly, sometimes I'm more of that last person just because, you know, I'm, I'm here <laughs> for right. to document stuff like this. Right. But um, you know, that's not to make light of what's happening, but that's just kind of how people are adapting to to this this new environment, even for them, because of how, um, like I said, how horrific the, the recent attacks by Hamas were. Go check out his Substack. It's juliorosas.substack.com. Uh, he is joining us right now, Julio Rosas from Tel Aviv, Israel. So you're, you've been there for a few days, but I wonder if you've gotten a gauge on this. And if you haven't, that's fine. But before the Hamas terrorist attack, and for some reason, the international media wants to call them militants, it's a terrorist attack by terrorists. Before that happened, I get the feeling there was a faction of, of people who lived in Israel, actual Israelis, whether they, they be Jewish or Christian or, or, or uh, Muslim or what, that they, they were sort of like, well, you know, we get the Palestinian you know, plight and we'd like for us to have peace on both sides. I get the feeling that those in Israel were not 100% we hate the Palestinians. They don't like Hamas, obviously, but it wasn't against Palestinians. Has that changed since the attack? I, I would say uh, a little bit, yeah, and just from kind of the people that I've spoken to about it. But at the same time, they also understand that, I mean, you talk to people who, I mean, I was talking to a, a local producer who is very much against uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and he, he doesn't agree with kind of how he's handled things. And there is a point to be said just because, there, there. I mean, Hamas has been a thing for for quite some time since 2006, right? When they were first, you know, voted in. Um, but now it's kind of the it's kind of the sad reality that the people who were kind of really hoping for a you know a true, lasting, peaceful solution that maybe that's not possible, just given the the, the level of hatred that was that spilled out into all these small towns in southern Israel. So um, obviously that that can't go unanswered. You know, um, and as much as airstrikes and, and, and artillery bombardments can can make a make a dent in, in their uh, Hamas's operational capability, you got to have boots on the ground in order to truly kind of you know make sure that the body is dead, so to speak. Right. In terms of uh, Hamas's leadership. Um, but of course, then that comes with civilian casualties that it comes with kids dying. And, and, you know, that's because Hamas uses human shields. And then you have the added complication of the hostages, some of them who are Americans, and there's all these other different nationals. And apparently, now take it with a grain of salt, but Hamas is claiming that, yes, they might have 200 hostages, but other people and other groups have their own hostages. And so, you know, that just adds a lot of, you know, it, it did seem like a couple of days ago that Israel was going to fully enter Gaza. Right. Uh, but I but I think I think part, part of the reason why they didn't is because, one, they wanted to make sure they have all hostages accounted for because i mean even today that number kept going up uh, a couple of days ago it was 126 now it's over 200 um they want to make sure that their northern front with lebanon is as prepared as it can be because you know it's expected that hezbollah is going to go full throw an assault against them once they enter gaza and then lastly they need to make sure that everything is in place internally um because they right now the only airline that's flying consistently is el al which is the israeli airline and right. Israelis are relying on that airline to get into Israel so that they can join their units or, or, you know, make sure that they are ready for what they need to do. So there's there's a lot of factors 
uh, kind of that the Israeli government is going to have to take into into account before they decide to go in. But from what I'm hearing, it, it is going to happen. It's just, it's just a matter of when. It is uh, Julio Rosas. Again, he's reporting uh, from Tel Aviv, Israel right now. JulioRosas.substack.com. Go and follow his independent journalism. Uh, on this side of the world, we're hearing, you know, piecemeal, and then somebody puts it together to lean one way or the other way. Let me just ask you very directly, from your vantage point, do you know it to be a fact that Palestinian civilians are trying to leave and go into Egypt, and Hamas is stopping them, physically stopping them from doing that? Yeah, yes. That, that is I mean, happening. That, 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 that is happening. We've, we've seen the satellite footage, and then also there was that uh, explosion in that, in that convoy that was headed south. People did initially blame it on an Israeli airstrike, but um, the explosion wasn't consistent with an airstrike. There was no projectile. When you slow down the video, you don't see an incoming projectile hitting the car that did explode. It, the, the explosion was more consistent with an IED internally. So, I mean, it, Hamas appears to be going beyond just trying to physically stop them in terms of blockades, but they're trying to stop them uh, by killing them to, to send a message that, you know, if, if you're going to leave, uh, you know, and leave us without that cover you provide, then you're going to pay, pay the consequences. And then, of course, um, it's uh, you know it's still complicated with whether or not the the, the Egyptian Palestinian crossing is going to be open and whether humanitarian aid is going to enter through. And of course, you know the question is 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 it just humanitarian aid that's going to be going through that crossing if they do open it up? Um, so I it's it's a very very complex and very you know very sad situation that's unfolding right now. But yeah, I mean. It's just it's just a matter of what is going to actually take place once Israel goes into Gaza. And like I said before, I think I think everyone can agree that, you know, at, at, at a bare minimum, you know, Hamas needs to be held to account with what took place and in doing uh, clearly doing the same old, same old in terms of how Israel was approaching Gaza and everything that that's just not going to work anymore. Well, it's not, and a two-state solution is off the table right now, even though it's been offered a billion different times. It's Julio Rosas coming to us from Tel Aviv, Israel. I just want to understand the geography. You're 45 minutes from Gaza, so you're very close to Egypt, and you just said something that I don't think Americans understand. Egypt doesn't want the Palestinians. They made that clear from day one in the 70s. They didn't want the Palestinians even in 2005 when Palestine allegedly was going to give give us land, we'll give you peace. That didn't work out either. Egypt, there is a border that's closed between Egypt and, and what would be Palestine, right? Egypt and Gaza. Yes, yes, that is correct. And it's closed by and, the Egyptians. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, and they, N- nobody's reporting. Julio, nobody's reporting that that Egypt doesn't want these people, and Israel has tried to coexist with them. I- am I misrepresenting it at all? No, no, and 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 that's really uh, the, that that's what makes it so hard sometimes to really know what's truly happening here because every, I mean, it, it was really prominent in terms of all the, you know, I kind of hate to use a lot of term, but disinformation uh, when it came to the Ukraine Russian war. Uh, but it, you know, it doesn't matter which part of the world that you, that you live in, you, right. you're going to hear one side or the other. And, but I think, I think it really did shock people to see such a large gatherings of, of, rallies that specifically praise the terrorist attacks that Hamas did recently. Um, you know, I'm, I've been seeing a lot of kind of leftists, especially, you know, leftist Jews who are, who were kind of saying like, Whoa, Hey, what, why are you, why are you doing this? I mean, that there's a whole reason why the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America 
have gotten a lot of pushback because they, they were promoting all these rallies and they were telling their followers, you know, make sure you mask up so that you don't get identified at, at one of these things. Wow. Um, I, it, it really, it really is reckoning. And, and I, and I covered, uh, the one that happened in New York, the first one that happened in New York, um, right after the attacks. And at first it started out as a couple of dozen people, but then by the time they went to March towards the Israeli consulate, um, the crowd had grown into, I mean, close to a thousand people, if not a thousand people. And, and that's not a small number for a rally that, like I said, had speakers praising and cheering for these attacks. And so right. um, it, it, it really it really is an eye opener um, seeing not just in the United States, but in all different parts of the world. And, and that definitely brings in the question is like, well, wait, who who's in our country and what do they support and what are they going to do if they think, you know, things aren't going to go their way? And who's coming across every single day? It's Julio Rosas. He is uh, in Tel Aviv, Israel right now. Go to juliorosas.substack.com. You're on Twitter too, right? I think I followed you yesterday. If not, I'll go do that now. But is it just your first and last name? It's uh, Julio underscore Rosas 11. Okay. We'll make sure that people go and follow you over on Twitter as well. Um, it, it's interesting about the, the get-togethers, the so-called rallies. They, they were illegal protests. Uh, I know the First Amendment allows us to protest and bring redress and whatever, but you can't shut down roads. You can't stop people's rights to travel and to enjoy. You can't openly yell and scream about, uh, about supporting terrorists. It, it, it made me think to myself, although hate speech is covered, I understand free speech and I, and I believe in it wholeheartedly. I use it every day on my show. But it would be as if the Nazis sent over a brigade of a thousand to march down the street in New York during World War II. We would not allow that because it would be showing material support for those who want to kill Americans or our friends in Israel. So those were all illegal. We see them in France. We see them in Rome. We see them everywhere. We see them in Australia. Julio, why do you think that, that these Western nations allow it? Is it because they, they don't want to seem like they're taking a side? Is it because they, they want to pretend that, well, we believe in free speech, so we have to let it go on? I think to a certain point, yes. I mean, because you have to understand there are obviously sympathizers uh, within, within each of the governments. That's why that kind of that, that level of immigration was allowed to happen in the first place. But I think at the same time, it's just a matter of, like I said, I, I don't think people were truly expecting to see that that level of support. And, and you know, I've, I've covered the far left for a very long time, and I was kind of expecting more of a, of a response of like, no, we are pro-Palestine, but we're not pro-Kamas. Like, yes. that, that's kind of what I was expecting. But, but obviously that that for for a lot of these rallies, right? And it's not just the one that I covered in New York. I mean, you, you find video after video after video in all different parts of the world where they're saying we are Hamas or, you know, they're freedom fighters or, you know, they're because they, it, it truly is, in their view, the ends justifying the means. Um, that That's something I saw a lot during the BLM riots in 2020. Um, but, uh, you know, for this, this is on a whole different level, right? Yeah. And so in terms of in terms of the government, to go back to the question, I, I think... I think, yes, it's because, you know, for us in the States, we do have freedom of speech and we have freedom of, of protest. But as, as we've seen, they're very selective. The, you know, the government is very selective on whether or not who they, I mean, just look at how they treat conservatives. Yes. Um, it, like for like parents of school board meetings. Right. Um, so I, that, that is that obviously that's concerning. Um, and as I've been saying for since 2020, I'm, I'm not exactly sure where we as a nation are headed. But 
from being on the ground in different places and now being on the ground here, um, uh, I, I just don't think the United States is heading anywhere anywhere good, unfortunately. Well, and and the next election is definitely going to tell us where that is going to be. It, it certainly is. I mean, if all things are, are equal, just watching how bad the economy and the border are, the election should be easy, but it's not going to be easy. It's Julio Rosas from Tel Aviv. Julio, maybe 20 seconds, but I wanted to ask you this because you brought it up. I don't love the term disinformation either. It gets thrown around a lot, but it's true that it's happening big time in this conflict. In fact, Elon Omar from Minnesota, a U.S. representative somehow, um, retweeted something that was really a picture or video from 10 or 11 years ago when Syria was gassing its own people, claiming it was what Israel did to Palestinians. How do you defeat the act of disinformation? I mean, you, you, you try to find the trustworthy sources and, and you, you, you put out, you promote their content, you share their content because, um, yeah, it, it's a, it, as great as community notes is on, on X or Twitter, um, it, it can't catch everything in a timely manner. So, right. um, it's, it's just a matter of finding the people that you trust who have shown that they've been trustworthy consistently and, and, and following their work. I think it's a great answer. Go in and follow his work, uh, juliorosas.substack.com. Julio, if you don't know, is J-U-L-I-O-R-O-S-A-S.substack.com. Julio, thanks uh, for coming to us from Tel Aviv. Keep yourself safe, and let's do it again, okay? Thank you very much. All right, brother. Keep it here. We're coming back uh, in the Joe Pag Show. Stay here. Joe Pags. Glad to have you. The Joe Pag Show for your Motown Monday. Great uh, time spending with, uh, or great to spend some time with Julio Rosas. Julio is in Tel Aviv, Israel, and he's out there doing good work, making sure that we know exactly what's going on. Next hour will be Cray News with Kay on a Monday. Make sure you stick around for that. We've got a lot more going on as well, including Joe Biden joined a new social media network that might surprise you. One wonders what the story is there. All right, we'll get that. Also, some LGBTQXYZ stuff. The Joe Pag Show coming right back at you. Stay here. This is the Joe Pegg Show.